Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we are reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Austin, and today we're discussing Chapter 27. Um, real quick, previously, last week, um, Lara failed the second tryout and somehow that became Amari's problem. Um, she attacked Dylan at the, in the cafeteria and then Amari used an illusion, uh, to get back at her and dump some spaghetti on her face. Gang, gang. Um, we also learned from the gossip magazine Rumors and Whispers that not only did Madame Du Bois maybe steal designs, question mark. Um, but Quentin has a secret second briefcase. The first one went to Amari at the beginning of the book, as we all saw, and the second one um, went to Agent Magnus. So Amari and Elsie head on over to Magnus, you know, be like, we know what you got. What is the truth? (laughs) Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Um, And uh, Magnus confirms that he has a briefcase, but that he doesn't know what's in it because it's not for him. He was just given, he's just meant to keep it hidden. That is true allyship. Um, holding on to something and knowing when it's not for you. Mm-hmm. But you're holding it, keeping it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does tell Amari that if she passes the finale and becomes a junior agent, then the briefcase will belong to her until she can have it, as well as help with the, or like officially help with the investigation. Um, for into vanquish and their disappearance so that's where we left off amari has decided she's about to uh work harder than anyone's ever worked before um in order to make this <laughs> happen um and she we also took asked, that literally she took it very literally um, this has been we- her mission since she's had a mission to be part of the like uh department of supernatural investigations like ever over and over again she has to prove herself mm-hmm um, and then we asked, what department do you think Amari should join if she didn't have to be in the Department of Supernatural Investigations to find Quentin? Um, so don't forget to let us know, social media, um, through Spotify, um, and we will talk about that next episode. So, um, speaking of outworking and all of that, um, <laughs> Elsie finds Amari um, in a study room, having fallen fallen asleep on a book. She's basically been there all night, um, has not taken a break, and Elsie is not trying to have it. I just we we've seen this before of Elsie like making sure that Amari takes care of herself, um, and that's just like a good a good best friend to be like, you know what, you actually can't study forever. Like you need to take breaks and have fun and all of those things, both for your own health, but also like you're not gonna do well if you don't ever take breaks. Um But yeah, but Amari's trying to get through this the some like an entire book list by the time by the finale. Um she's worried she's forgotten she's forgotten stuff from before. Um but um but Elsie's kind of like, you haven't forgotten it. You just haven't given your brain time to like think and process and like relax. So basically, um, Amari ends up going, she goes to take a nap. 
on on Elsie's on Elsie's suggestion. She's supposed to go meet Dylan to practice their stun sticks. Um, but Amari's or Elsie's like, I'll tell Dylan you're gonna be late, and you need to go like Chill. freshen up, take a nap, brush relax your teeth. for a bit because she's brush your teeth. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like really appreciate this from Elsie because I always had a hard time. Um, with studying, it's it's one of these weird things too, where in school before basically like college, I never had to study and I didn't learn mm. how to study. And then when you get to a point where you're actually like struggling or feel like you do need to like study and 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 put extra effort in, you don't really know the best way to do that and then you kind of lean on tropes of what you think it should be like you think you should be falling asleep in front of the or in the library that you think that you need to read every single word out of every single book um and I really appreciate Elsie being like you're doing the best that you can but also like the way in which you're going about this is not going to get you the results that you need so like go take a nap <laughs> mm-hmm. I appreciate it yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, so later, um, Amari and Dylan go to the training room and find a giant petition posted on the doors with the names of all the legacy parents who don't want Amari participating in the finale. They can all kick rocks. Literally. I don't understand, like, don't you get, I mean, I know that there's like public petitions or whatever, like you get asked to sign an online petition all the time. But don't you have to give that to someone? Like, what's the purpose of putting it on a door? Putting it on a door to the training. But also, the only purpose would be for her to, to walk up and see it. Yeah. So they know that the, all of these, like, grown people with jobs are concerned about her and her business. It very much feels like that. that is the purpose. It gives me, like, like, I think Portia talked about this before, like, school integration. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, all these parents taking time off their job to go harass some children like when they could literally mind the business that pays i do wonder though about the bureau and partially it's like the bureau not really and or i guess it's the actually as i'm doing this let me (laughs) bitch um but not really taking a firm stand or like kind of making it up as they go along. Like when they decided that Amari was going to stay, I wish that they would have looked at all of the plans that they had for the the camp, all of the tryouts, figured out what she could and could not do, what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And then like socialize that around and then been like, and you know, because I think Magna says, like, when they are bullying her earlier in the camp, like, if anyone's got anything to say, like, y'all can go. You know what I mean? Or, like, like Amari saying, it is what it is. I think after they hate crammed her dorm room, actually. And I do feel like there should have been something more concrete so that this would never have even been allowed to happen. Because, like, why is it on the door and why did no one take it off of the door and who Mm -hmm. 
who allowed it, who put it up. You know what I mean? Like, there's just all of these things that it's like... How many steps? Yeah. And why did they feel comfortable putting it there? Them planning and thinking ahead when it comes to Amari's involvement in tryouts would involve them actively trying to give her a fair shot and we magnus made clear last chapter that they actively did not want to give her a fair shot they did not think she's going to make it that far so they did not try to plan ahead for her to make it that far um so it's very much in line with that and so it's just further indication that the bureau like the like you're saying the bureau should take a stance and the stance the bureau has taken is like we don't think she's going to get that far um which is really effed up and then I think the other thing that, like, a, like for me, that stands out is that, like, these adults are real big and bold to put this petition on this place that they know that Amari's going to interact with without knowing, also knowing that she doesn't have a community that can know what she's going through. So they can back her up and put petitions up and call into the bureau and freaking, like, complain about them. Like, they're being real big and bold for, like, picking on a 12-year-old mm-hmm. without a community to back her. And it's so messed up. And I, like, it's just, like, it shows cowardice to me. Like, you're going to try, like, you're not even going to show up to her face. You'd rather put your names on on paper. Like, so you want to be known for how awful you are and bigoted you are. But you also don't want to, like, have the, like, um, to live out the rudeness to her face. Because that would take too much out of you. Like, it's just very much cowardly. Yeah, I mean, I think my thing about it is maybe it's not the Bureau, but it is, like, the chief who, like you said, like, I don't believe wants a magician, I'm not going to say Amari, but, like, a magician in the camp. I don't believe has a firm stance. She very much gives, like, moderate, like, I don't want to rock the boat. But in even doing that, like, she's okay looking like she's not in control or like I would think that like Fiona who's running the trainings or something you know what I mean and it's just like because I think the people who didn't believe that she would make it this far are also the people who are signing their names on those petitions or like they're not there are some people who are passive but this also feels like letting the more vocal cowardly but vocal people take over the bureau in a way that even removed from Amari doesn't look good like I feel like if I was someone who didn't know Amari maybe even was anti-magician or whatever but was it a bigot or hateful I would be like this is ghetto like why are (laughs) y'all picking on this child like this in this in the door like in the in the bureau like why is this why are we leaving It almost feels like an authority figure was like, whenever they were like, what can we do? We don't want her here. What what is our next step? They were like, we can write a petition. Like, it feels like someone was like, oh, that's our next step. Like, I just, it's just weird. It feels very Karen in a way that I like to believe that people who aren't even really about that life see a Karen and go, that just looks tacky. You just look gross. Uh, I mean, I don't know that they, I don't know that they do. I don't feel like a lot of people do. I think a lot of the, a lot of people get annoyed by Karens, but would rather just like let her spout off in the corner than actively try to like interrupt her. But I was gonna say I do think that the petition also is like it gives like I feel like the petition is a way for Van Helsing 
to have a literal like backup to whatever mm-hmm. crap he wants to pull for mm-hmm. like why Amari like even if Amari is the past to trial he can have like one other uh, a piece of evidence in his pocket like people don't want her here look at how much hate she's going to go through she's part of my department I don't think that she should make it kind of thing like it's given him ammo that he probably um instigated having for it to be like documented um and something he can use as evidence later yeah um so amari like asks if they can practice somewhere else but dylan says i say we should train right in their faces um he's not worried about hanging out with her at this point he's you know gotten over that um he teaches her the helsing technique um which I don't they don't really describe what it is but it's some special like technique that they have to that they do with their partners um someone else probably came up with in a Van Helsing stole probably yeah. or it was originally one of the magician Van Helsing's thing <laughs> but he couldn't say and you know you know all of that um <laughs> so Amari is considering telling Dylan about what she learned about Quentin and finding the key holder um she is a little hesitant because of how like things were weird between them for a bit with like the whole Maria thing. Um, but she reminds herself that they did promise to share whatever they found. So she tells him, um, and then, um, and then lets him know that she, she has to become a junior agent in order to like be able to get into this, uh, briefcase. And, She's like, there's a whole petition against me being in the finale. Dylan says, you have to do it anyway. Prove you deserve a place here, which again is like a thing. It's like a broken clock at this point. Like everyone is telling her she has to prove that she belongs here. Um, and it's like, at what point is that? Like, what is the what is the standard or what's the litmus for that? Like, at what point yeah. has she proven herself, you know? Um, and Amari's like, but how they'll never let me go on stage and show off my magic. And at that point, Dylan tells her to use his turn. So um, when they announce for him, he's like, you go on instead. Um, and because Dylan's like, I know my dad is not going to fail me. <laughs> so especially after Lara failed. So I'm like, in, and also, if you don't do it, then they're giving him an excuse to be like, oh, she didn't complete the trial because she didn't do her um she didn't fulfill all the requirements so if you do it then you fulfilled all the requirements um it's so so. infuriating that they have to think about ways in which they can circumvent the like inevitable pushback for her doing the requirements knowing that if she gives into them not letting her do like show off her like, if she does what they want and does not show off her supernatural ability, they will then turn around and say, well, she didn't show off her supernatural ability, so she can't mm-hmm. be a junior agent. But if she does show off her supernatural ability, they'll say her supernatural ability is illegal and she did something illegal because so she can't be mm-hmm. an agent. And it's like, like you said, like the goalposts constantly move and like, what is, how do you, how do you prove something that people are constantly moving the goal post so that you cannot prove it I guess mm-hmm. is like the best way to say that um and it's just you think about the fact that like this happens all the time 
in life or in like especially these like um closed systems closed uh exclusionary like places but the onus is always on the person being excluded being marginalized to like figure out it's like when they ask marginalized people like how do we fix racism or they ask black people how do you fix what do we do about racism like girl i didn't make it up you think i you think i designed this system to keep me impressed i don't know y'all the ones upholding it you tell me right and so it's and obviously they don't have an onus to change it because that's what they want but it just hits harder and different when you're hearing two 12 year olds trying to figure out a way to circumvent a, mm-hmm. like, a systemic issue mm-hmm. as though it's an individual issue. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Elsie comes into um, their room looking pleased with herself. She skips over to Amari's side of the room where she's uh, reading Sovereign Cities of the Supernatural World and says, I hope you're not planning on studying all day. Um, she's like, you know, uh, well, Amari's like, we're not all geniuses. But Elsie says, um, studies show that cramming the day before a big test is actually worse for you than than just taking the day off. Um, but Amari's not really budging. So Elsie's like, fine, study if you want, but promise me you'll keep tonight free. Um, she won't tell Amari what tonight is. And that says it's a, says it's a, a surprise, but she's like, you have to come. Um, you should, you know, take a break. Have fun. This is your last moment before you are, you know, doing in the finale or whatever. So, um. Run away with us for the summer. Let's go upstate. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. I'd say it. <laughs> so she takes uh, most of the morning and afternoon to read uh, Sovereign Cities of the Supernatural World, which she learns about places like Atlantis, the dwarven stronghold of Cibola, an underground city made completely of gold um, that is located directly beneath Las Vegas. Um, And then when she gets back to the room, Elsie's waiting for her. It does seem tight. Um, But also, reaffirms to me, like I said in the last episode, that I think that if Amari wasn't, didn't have to be in the Bureau or the Supernatural Affairs, she should do something diplomatic. If there are sovereign cities, then you have to have diplomats yeah. that work at the Bureau so you can have these relationships and these conversations. So Elsie is back in the room uh, with a suitcase and a grin so wild, or so wide, sorry, Amari knows she's in trouble. Um, she explains that tonight's festivities involve sneaking out. Uh, but again, she's not going to say anything. Um, but it involves these most splendid cloaks, which are junior undertaker cloaks from the department of the dead. Um, and Amari's like, are you sure we won't get caught? But Elsie says, don't worry, we won't be the only ones. So at 8 15 PM, they change and join a large group of junior undertakers making their way to the elevators. Um, Bertha stops them and gives them a look, a good looking over. But with the hoods over their cloaks, or the hoods over their heads, they all look alike. Um, and Amari's still like, this is weird. Shouldn't she know how many Junior Undertakers there are? Shouldn't she, like, be checking closely? Um, but she just lets them go. When they're in the elevator, Lucy gives them a tisk to somebody's being naughty. But she zips them up to the Vanderbilt Hotel lobby without another word. 
they all they follow the others down a side hall where a bus is waiting and sign the role with made up names. So they get to the back of the bus, um, and uh, Amari's like, "Are like where are we going? Maybe now you can tell me where we're going." Like this is very all this is very weird. Um, but then turns out Dylan's there as well with his junior Undertaker cloak on. Um, and Amari's like, are there any actual junior undertakers on this bus? And he says, a few sneaking out the night before the finale is kind of tradition, which then makes all of the other stuff make sense. Bertha not really looking, the fact that there is a bus sitting there waiting for everyone to, it's to like sneak that out. just like doing a basic tisk tisk. Right, how, she's just like, you, somebody's you. being naughty, but she's not snitching. They have tri- public, they have transportation set up for the Also that the elevator was like, Lucy and not the mischief elevator that yells, like, because right, they were like being they have, about that one they like this is clearly a like bureau sanctioned trip but like the tradition is that Low you're sneaking key. out so they make it like seem like you're you know in trouble or doing something extra but they know again and also again going back to what we were talking about about like them not trying to have these kids be in danger like there are definitely things they could tell <laughs> they're the parents especially the non-magical parents and that there's like still flaws but in terms of like taking care of the kids, they have things in place to make sure they're not just like. It's also giving out the here. kids a level of independence while also having a level of safeguarding and like mm-hmm. uh, watching over them. Yeah. Um. So Dylan comes back to sit with uh, Amari and Elsie and asks if it's Amari's first All Souls festival. Um. Amari hears that as All Soul festival, uh, and then is wondering if they're going to a soul music concert. Um, which is very cute. <laughs> um, Elsie's Elsie's upset because she's like, it was supposed to be a secret. But Dylan's like, if it's your first time going, it, the name doesn't give anything away. Like you're still gonna see. So they the bus leaves the city. They're uh, going down an empty two lane road, pass through thickly wooded areas and farmland until eventually the bus pulls off into a wide grassy field. A large crowd is gathered next to the road, but there's no real hint of like what the All Souls Festival might be. The three of them put their hoods back on, get off the bus. Dylan tells Amari to climb on his shoulders. Um, And so she protests at first, but like Elsie's like, just do it. Um, She gets a clear view of the junior undertakers spaced evenly in a straight line. Their backs to the crowd. At the center is a senior undertaker whose cloak has a high silver collar. Um... The Undertaker reaches under his reaches into his cloak, brings a whistle up to his lips. He gives it a blow, and the Junior Undertakers rise or raise their right arms in unison. Each holds a baton. Um, by order of the Department of the Dead, working in conjunction with the foremost rep- foremost representatives of Afterlife, I declare before the full moon that this month's All Souls Festival is now in session. The Undertakers point their batons forward. Green light comes pouring out of them, and together they draw com- a complex symbol of glowing green. The Undertaker says, open says me. And then the symbol flashes, fades into nothing, and then a bunch of colorful scents emerge, spreading across the field. Um, they're hazy and translucent, kind of like, they're basically ghost tints. This is dope, and I'm it's very so proud. Cool. I'm very happy of with my choice to join. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I think <laughs> you're like, you know what? I you chose the right time to vo- vocalize that you would uh, join the department I, of the day. It's yeah. dope. It's dope. 
It's super cool. And again, like we've said this a bunch of times, I just I love that we get the opportunity to see all these different things. Um, yeah. Wait, I just this is sidebar conversation. What kind of festivals do you, like do each does each department get to do their own festival? Like is this like Department of the Dead's is All Souls and then like uh Good Fortune's Bad Almonds is a different one? I don't then... know. It doesn't sound like it, but it also sounds like this is more like a monthly like flea market type situation. Yeah. yeah. Like I think this is market. like it yeah, like they call it a festival, but it it's also like a time in which the dead and the living can and time and a place sanction time and place where the dead and the living can like get together and, and do some commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also hate the idea of capitalism. Like I'm dead and I still need still money. Doing business. I'm still doing business? No. Yeah, that's kinda out of pocket. Um like so they go up we see a um ghost who's selling ghostly cotton candy. You can eat as much as you want and you never get full. Um and then you pay with Joss paper, which is like a pink dollar bills that you set ablaze and then they turn into ghost money and then you give it to the ghost, which again, then they have to use, which is unfortunate because they're dead. They should just be able to ghost chill. Money? Exist. Yeah. No. I work my entire living life. <laughs> no. <laughs> So they have cotton candy, then they have the Strawberry Smiles flavored milkshake, um, uh, which makes Mari can't stop grinning after tasting it. Um, Elsie can't stop giggling after having a sample of the chocolate chip chuckles. Um, Dylan and Elsie dare Mari to try the Banshee ice cream, ice cream um, which seems like plain old ice cream until and the urge to shout her lungs out takes over after the third bite. So... I, I want to would like to try. That's so cute, and also it's called ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Um, the branding is top notch. <laughs> um, once they taste everything there, they go to a large tent called Sweet Dreams. Um, the dreams in here glisten like liquid gold inside little glass bottles. Um, there's a sign that says you only need one sip before bed to ensure you have the dream you want. There's a uh, richest person in the world is really popular. So is most beautiful person in the world. Um, there's also sweet, sweet revenge. Um, a group of teenagers swarms the my crush wants to go out with me counter and don't leave a single bottle on the shelf. Um, so there's just this might be a good question. Here. Like, what kind of spell would you want to have in your dream? I don't know because I don't know that I would want if I could have a spell. I wouldn't want it just for my dreams. I would want it for my waking life as well. Like I wouldn't. Yeah, I, would I'm like, I don't light, think I would be that. I want to. I want to lights out. No dream. No nightmare. Yeah. Straight. Sleep. Just like straight sleep. Like straight, all the way rim. Just. Just rim well casted. Sleep. Yeah. Like a beauty just a sleep. Great, I just want a beauty a great sleep. sleep. Yeah. I just want. Yeah. I want a. I want a rim. Rim rim one hundred. Yeah. Or and I want to wake up feeling like refreshed. Like yeah. wow, I just had a great night's sleep. I feel great. Maybe that's the maybe I that's the well spell like guaranteed refreshment. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause usually even on the days when I sleep well, I wake up and I'm like, I could have slept another couple hours. Sometimes I, I sleep well and it's like like so it's been really rainy here. Um, and sometimes when it, especially when it's on rainy days, I wake up and I still feel tired because it's just like, mm-hmm. it's like sleepy kind of weather. Yeah. 
And it's like, if I sleep all day, I'm gonna even, I'm just gonna keep feeling tired. I'm not gonna feel revitalized. I'm just gonna feel tired all day. So what is the mm-hmm. actual amount of sleep that need to get to feel rested, you know? Exactly. I also have the like, I'm resting, but I'm actually not sleeping. My brain is still going. And I would very much like to shut it off, please. Like, mm-hmm. my, I didn't- a light switch. Yeah, like I didn't feel good this most of this weekend. Um, and so I laid down. I felt better laying down than I did standing up, but I also like would have really liked to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, woke up feeling better, but you know, if I could, if I could buy a potion for that, I'm all in. Yeah, agreed. Here on Wizard Team, it's no surprise that we love books. We also love supporting the independent bookstores. With our bookshop affiliate link, you can not only get all the books on your TBR, but you can support indie bookstores and BNC at the same time. And if you're not sure what you want, that ain't no problem. Check out our The Plot Thickens list full of recommendations from none other than Portia herself. Head to www.bookshop.org slash shop slash Black Nerds Create to treat your shelves. Treat your shelves. Oh, that's that's nice. That's clever. Oh my goodness. That's clever. All right. So Dylan gets pulled away by some of his other friends, leaving Amari and Elsie to explore on their own. They wander down a side street until Amari notices a jet black tent that reads Madam Violet's Magician Gift Shop. So Elsie can't see this. Only Amari can see it. She drags Elsie inside and that's in the moment that like Elsie realizes that Amari wasn't hallucinating. (laughs) She's like, okay, this is a real place, not just like an empty alleyway. Um, So they go inside. There's a sharp smell of spices. Um, A skinny spirit with long dreadlocks sits cross-legged behind a black kettle, um, which this is Madame Violet. She grins from behind the center of the dimly lit space and says, you couldn't have seen my tent unless you had magician's magic in your blood. You must be the famous Amari Peters. I read about you in this week's Dearly Departed. Um, I love this. I want to hear more about the periodicals in this world. They're all well known. In the afterlife. Dearly departed. I think um, that, like, first off, the I love a good pun, and so the puns names of all the magazines, both in the living world and the and then the afterlife, are great. But again, someone's writing about this, which means that they go to a job when they're dead, and I find it so depressing that I can't even. But maybe, I mean, well, I don't know. We already have the existence of money. Because I was going to say, like, it could just be, like, you know. A passion. Yeah, like, I just want to do this. But if you need the money, then maybe not. So Amari's glancing around. There's a bottle marked Broken Promises. A silver silver vial that says Shattered Dreams. Unrequited Love has a bright red grow. And Greatest Hopes sparkles in gold. Um... So Amari asks if, if this is the same Madam Violet who wrote the spell book. Um, and the spirit is like, do you imagine there are many magicians named Madam Violet? She's like, she's basically just like, you know, I'm one of one. Um, I'm the only one. <laughs> uh, 
so then she says put the put the book to good use magic is a living thing it does a dead woman no good and then she says shall we get to business she looks at Amarian uh Elsie and says the knowledgeable girl lacks courage while the courageous girl lacks knowledge how interesting if that's not a read that's a read like look lady I did not come in here to get read okay (laughs) I just found this place I brought my very trusting friend with me mm-hmm. into a place where she could not see. And the first thing we get from you is a read. A read. Like, coward. Cold. Cold she blooded. Said, what up, Amari and the coward? God damn. <laughs> But really let me. But also, let me not ever question if you're ever the real Madam Violet. Madam Violet, right? If your response right. is to read me, like, ooh, maybe I, I I call that upon myself by questioning <laughs> whether you were that girl, and that's my bad. She said, "I am." Um, so she she says that she'll make a deal. Um, says if the dragon girl play, pr- mm, if the dragon girl pays a small price, the magician girl can get knowledge vital to her quest. Um, she explains that it's not the first time she's seen Amari's face when she was living she would cast her magic far into the future and marvel at the scenes her illusions would show her Um, she saw who Amari was speaking to and the spell she cast I can assure you this is a future you desperately want to preserve and that can only happen with my help Um, so Elsie goes to pay but then Madame Violet is like I don't mm, money you want to give me money how boring um she said i require one secret withheld from a friend um so he uh, is living life that i i would like to see yeah like let's barter give me something good i don't need your paper money yeah i love non-traditional currencies like those are my favorite like Mm -hmm. anytime i encounter them in different worlds i'm like yes like let's trade Mm -hmm. in secrets let's trade in uh deals like it's like and those Mm -hmm. and i know deals are like fade i'm like okay like that's real hard yeah knock you out with a deal man all of a sudden you think you you think you just gotta answer a riddle and all of a sudden you have slaved 102 years and alive for the whole time awake awake you better th- think real thoroughly about mm-hmm. what you're uh, Is there a loophole? Right. Is there a double entendre? Because you... <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I love it. Um, so... Okay, so Elsie um, takes Madame Violet's hand um, and the woman says, repeat these words. I pledge a secret withheld for a single bit of advice for my friend. Um, Elsie nods, repeats the words, and then she explains that when they first met, she told Amari that she didn't know why she hadn't, um, shifted yet, and the truth is she does know. Were-dragons were once fierce warriors, and because of that, in order to shift, they have to perform a great act of courage. Um, but Elsie's been a warrior and a scaredy-cat her whole life. She didn't tell Amari because she was ashamed. And, like, as far as secrets go... This is this is fine. We can yeah. get through, we can get through this one. It's not like oh I didn't you know. Remember you asked me that one time that really big important piece of information and I didn't tell you like. Do you want to know like who, no. you remember, <laughs> want to know who Magic Girl eighteen actually is? Right, um, exactly. Like you remember that time when you got hate crimes in our room? Well, I actually do know. I who did it. Hate <laughs> right, or, or I did it, or something. Yeah. Or like I did it. Right. 
So, like, this honestly is, like, a very, um, you know, so, so first, uh, before we get into it a little bit more, but, uh, they, so Madame Violet takes a small net, swings it through the air. She drops the net into an open jar labeled Secrets Among Friends. And then there's, like, a black liquid that swirls in the, um, in the vial, which is kind of cool. I also wonder, Um, too, because it says, like, about her, like, having to perform an act of courage, and it's, like, what that actually means. Because in my brain, her befriending Amari and, like, sticking with Amari while Amari's being shunned by so many people is pretty courageous, like, Especially in I that, think it probably is I think it's more like compassion in mind as a great act of courage. Yeah, like she, she yeah. Know, like she and has I to think it's a great act of courage, you know? They've yeah. got to like if she's got to do something grand really outside of her like, really outside of herself or yeah, and not so much like an everyday type thing. Yeah. Um Elsie apologizes and Amari's like it's totally fine. We just met. Um, I thought you were gonna say you snore like a lawnmower on purpose. <laughs> so they're they're very cute. Um, I feel like it's also then, very much like these are the kind of things you keep to yourself when you're trying to make friends with someone. It's like I don't want to share my insecurities yeah. with you when we're first meeting. Like let yeah. me hold off on telling exactly. you about what how, the many ways I hate myself until later on when we've developed Maybe a rapport. We... Exactly. Yeah. Um. So Madame Violet's like, here's the knowledge that was promised. An illusionist should never trust that which giggles and grins. <laughs> and so I just feel like Death? this woman, this woman is so funny because first of all, you asked for homegirls, like not her deepest secret, but you had Elsie like bearing her soul only to give a riddle like in exchange. That's hilarious. She said, you need this information. Like I ha- you need the it is vital information is so vital for your quest. Yeah, when I, so like important. I saw a, she said I saw a vision of you and you needed this information in order to do the things I saw you do in my vision. Okay, it is it is destined. It is it's so vital. Here's this riddle. Here's this really vague little sentence. It's hilarious. That can apply to anyone. <laughs> it, can mean, it can mean anything. It can literally mean anything. Amari's like, am I supposed to know what that means? Madame Violet cackles, and she and the entire shop begin to fade away. She was like, "That's all. I, that's all for today. <laughs> I'm out." She was like that kid who does the uh, the deuces, and then just like, fades "Oh, yeah, it fades away." That was literally what she did. Madame Violet said, "I'm out." <laughs> uh honestly, I stand. I really like her. I knew I liked her when we read the like book. She's hilarious. Um, I hate that for Amari though. Like that makes things not so easy but that was funny um so soon elsie and amari are standing alone in an, in, an, in an alley sorry between two larger tents a tents it's like the shop was never there um and then of course here comes kirsten's ass with lara um she kirsten goes there she is i told you i saw her come down this way so obviously y'all are like oh they we're still out having fun amari at the festival and now we're gonna go sh- look for Amari so that we can bully her but like y'all could be eating ghost candy Amari went ice cream. their brains all day every day all the time 24 7 it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense to me I'm just like please get a life get a life do something else like I just don't get it um 
So Lara balls her fists. You think you can throw spaghetti in my face and get away with it? Um, and clearly that embarrassed her way more than she thought about embarrassing her brother. Like, mm -hmm. (laughs) clearly them kids pointing at her and laughing did something to her self-esteem she was not prepared for. And you you peep how she's waiting till she got her alone to to even vote like this. She couldn't do it when everybody was looking at her. Now she got Mm -hmm. her fist balled up. She's trying it, to what like, if what if she goes to hit her and then something else happened and she get embarrassed again? Uh-uh, can't chance that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then Amari is like, let Elsie go, please. And then Lara says, um, so she can run off and tell someone? Nope. You finally you're finally gonna get what's coming to you. It's like, are you for real? This girl needs so what's coming to she, me. You're she, the one with the bad aura. She needs with the she literally so bad that it is really like bad. exhausting. So Lara literally like like attacks her she kicks out her leg knocks amari over like jumps on her pins her wrist with one arm and is about to punch her in the face like with her it's on top of the fact she's using her natural ability yeah so she's like legitimately trying to hurt this girl like for real um amari's trying to get free but she can't um her ability makes her too strong laura winds up her punch and amari panics she stares into her eyes and screams magnophobia so we talked about this all those chapters ago when Dylan showed her this uh tried to get her to use foul magic and the idea of like if you don't know those spells exist then you don't use them as your first <laughs> as you're like in your as you're panicking she could have used the solace one and, bl- and nearly blinded her knocked her back and gotten and that, that would have right. been hilarious because girl would have been walking around blind in the dark with all these on. ghosts around her come on so there so there is like it's it's a moment of like obviously she's panicked i i am not particularly inclined to be mad at amari in this situation no it's self-defense but using foul magic just in general she shouldn't even have that in her yeah to begin with i think that's like the big thing is that like yeah like she could have thought of something different and might and possibly would have um, if she would have never been shown this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that magic boy. However, I do hear the irony in us slightly being hypocritical, being like, she should have fell back on Solace, like the first spell she learned, and how much we kept talking crap about how the magic boy kept using it. Well, but he uh, also learned other spells that were not. We weren't saying go for the forbidden spells, not Christianus, because with the time that he's Christianus, he didn't even do that right. Disappointments all around. But <laughs> she also could have Solace is more would have been more useful than Expelliarmus. God damn well, they it. don't have wands, so yeah. They don't have wands, <laughs> but like they can't disarm that way. But I'm just saying, we really we went in on him for oh, being a one a one spell. Boy. Well, she's all she yeah. only used Solace once. She hasn't used she hasn't used it. any of her stuff more than once yet. Yep. She doesn't yep. have a signature a signature illusion yet. <laughs> I don't remember if she ever does get a signature illusion, but at least at this point, she's just she's still feeling it out. Um. So Lara's eyes go wide. The world shifts around them. Um. Suddenly, they're in a big fancy office. Um. Lara's confused. Amari pushes her off um off of her and then Lara falls backwards. Um she's so Lara can't see Amari. That's kind of what she figures out. Um she's looking right through her. 
What, are, what on earth are you doing on the floor? Director Van Helsing stands in the doorway. His gray suit is wrinkled and he's got bags under his eyes like he hasn't slept in days. It's bad enough you embarrassed this family at the tryout and now I find you on the floor like a toddler. Um, Lara gets to her feet quickly. Um, her cheeks redden. Her normally cocky voice comes out shaky and uncertain. I'm sorry. I just got confused. Um, so we're seeing now, like, I be, like this is her biggest fear but the kind of surroundings and stuff of the situation is showing the yeah it's showing the real dynamics between her and her father um and how her father is an asshole to not only people who aren't in his family but people who are which is not surprising but we're getting to see that um so director van helsing shakes his head shuts the door behind him and goes behind his desk and says the phone call should be coming any minute now um Lara nods, takes a seat at the front of the desk. The phone chimes. Van Helsing answers on the first ring. Um, Van Helsing just keeps nodding and saying, I understand, over and over. When he does hang up, there's a stunned look on his face. And then he says, um, well, yeah, he, he covers his face with both hands and says, she's gone, sweetheart. Your, sweet, your sister has passed on. Um, Lara lets out a terrible will and falls to her knees. And that's the point where Amari's like, oh, sh- like, <laughs> I messed up. We need to stop this. And she breaks the spell. Um, and, like, in that moment, she's feeling bad because she, her, Lara's worst fear is also Amari's worst fear. Um, and so she's apologizing. Oh, you like, know. real quick, though, like, as the vision vanishes, Kirsten leaves. She flees. Oh, yeah, she, she dips. She, Kirsten is she's not a- about that life. I- Oh my god. Oh my she's god. like, Lara's gonna break out of this and she's gonna wanna touch <laughs> someone and it's not gonna be that I am out. Like, I'm out. Right. Which leaves Amari to be the only person to like hug her and be like, Are you like I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh or not I didn't mean to, but I'm sorry. Um Lara pulls free of her like pulls free and says, Stay away from me and then sprints out of the alley. Um Elsie and I or Elsie and Amari look at each other, but they don't know what to say. And that's the end of that chapter. Listen, she shouldn't have had that spell as like her go, like the first thing on her mind. That shouldn't have been one that she used. It was traumatic. You should have been talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and Elsie, 
best friends for life. Listen, so great. I love y'all. We talked about this. Ryan and I asked questions. Elsie asked questions and still ended up in that tent. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm not talking about. But I'm here. I'm with you. At the same time, she also was like, uh, (laughs) I like I, I I will give you a secret. I will. I don't like. I pull out some cash. Sure, I will give you a secret. But you know what? She was very thoughtful about her secret. Again, it was very self um, inclined, self reflective. She might have had a bigger secret to tell, but she didn't tell it. So she was very smart about which secret she chose to, to share. But I also no. feel like Madame Violet was dropping some clues too. She was like, Your cowardly friend, a secret for a yeah, friend. Yeah, she did. It was, it put her right in, put it right in her head, before like, front of her All mind. Right. Here we go. I, no I'm like, what? Is. That's my my thing was like, what does this lady see that she's holding? Like, what does she know? Right. That Elsie is holding. I will say, like Madam. I will say, Madam Violet is an honorary MVP. Yeah. For me. Just the messiness is honestly, I love it. It's great. Um, benched. I said the Van Helsings as a unit because Lara's out here bullying Amari and her brother. And then literally is about to throw hands, like is trying to physically harm Amari. Uh, Dylan put that damn spell in her head in the first place. <laughs> so we've squeezed out to sit as well. And then director Van Helsing not only raised these kids, but is like terrible to them too. So it's just like, and he's probably the one, the ringleader for the petition. Like he's like, they can all. And, the, and we still don't know her. where the mama at. So she could also. Right. Her. The mama is in cover-ups, too busy trying to figure out who used up the credit card bill and not tr- to, but also not busy enough trying to figure out who used the credit card. So, come on. So, they can all sit down together, and I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah. I benched director Van Helsing because clearly he is an abuser, um, and he inflicts his own um insecurities onto his children and tell and show shows to them that the answer to your insecurities is abuse and therefore Laura and her how she acts is not a big um question mark we know exactly where that comes from she takes out her insecurities on others rather than finding peace within herself or trying to find other answers and other ways to work out the aggression that she feels for being abused upon um and then with Dylan he not spoiling but with dylan he clearly um aligns himself with amari um as a magician because at least someone can share in the pain that he feels knowing that he's a magician and seeing how everyone including his family around him would reject him for being a magician and that's like the only outlet he has for it so his like his kids can even be like his kids to him because of how awful of a person he is and even um the fact that dylan i don't the way that dylan said that like he's he covered amari streets on his dad's like cash wad it makes me question if he like i know that he and his dad aren't on good terms right now so he just steal a whole wad of cash from his dad and then roll off with it like i just feel like he's taught his kids very inept ways of coping with their emotions and because he is not emotionally stable himself. Baby's kids. They bad. Uh yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. I I waffled back and forth between what was just gonna be basically Lara. Um and I ended up with the chief slash the bureau and that was mostly because of like I said earlier, um 
just not having any kind of, and, and I'd say this is about the chief more. I, I'm going to just do the chief. Look at this. So we're going full circle. I'm, I'm going to talk myself into a binging. The chief, because I get the sense from her that she doesn't actually want to villainize Amari. She doesn't actually believe that Amari is bad. If she felt more confidence in herself and her position of power, um, she would stand up against director Van Helsing, against these more bigoted people. She would have really thought through and get and given some groundwork and ground rules for Amari being a part of this camp without having to go so far as to like completely sanction magicianship because she doesn't also doesn't really feel comfortable with magicians, right? That's fine. Um, but this like this uh, like limbo that they allow Amari to like go through um, this camp with not only with every single person feeling comfortable to tell her that she needs to prove herself, chief included, you need to prove yourself, you need to prove that you belong here, blah, 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 blah. But also in like not knowing how do I do that? How do I prove myself? What is allowed? What isn't allowed? And then on the same end for other people, what is allowed and what isn't allowed when dealing with these trainees, was dealing with Amari, who has a special kind of um ability right like we saw with the way that she kind of held elsie up as like being um non-human and and kind of like singling her out making her kind of a token um this misguided but like ability to really like raise these kids up and like uh you know, set an example of how she expects these kids to be treated. And she doesn't do that with Amari. And I think that a lot of that just comes from not having the backbone and not having the courage to stand strong. Like, one, to figure out what her convictions are. Because I don't know what her convictions are. But to figure that out, stand strong in it, and then as a leader as the chief of the bureau, making sure that everyone, whether they agree with her or not, knows where they stand and what is and what is not acceptable. And harassing a 12-year-old is not acceptable. Period. Y'all don't watch Adventure Time, but there is a character called uh, Lemon Grab. And he says unacceptable in a very fun way. And I don't want to ruin your ears by saying it in the way that he would say it, but this is very unacceptable in the way that Lemon Grab would say it. <laughs> well, boom. It is unacceptable. Agreed. Um, I just, I want you, I'm going to show you, <laughs> I'm going to share the link with y'all of what he sounds like because it, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> and with that, um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week for chapter 28. Don't forget to answer our question. Uh, what department do you think Amari should join? If not supernatural investigations, we cannot wait to hear your answers on that. I would love to hear some very creative thoughts about that. Um, let us know on social media, or if you're listening on Spotify, you can respond in the app with your answers um, and let us know your thoughts. Wither Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our other content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter at BLK Nerds Create. 
at Yana, Y-A-N-A, wrote it. Robin underscore rambles for R-O-B-Y-N with a Y. And at poor she, uh, P-O-R-S-H-E-U-H. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Black Arts Create. Subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter. And do not forget to rate and review this podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.